Hello, world. Welcome. My name is Jason Hand, and I am joined by my good friend and emotional support Canadian, Anthony Bartolo. Hi, Anthony. Hey, Jason. What's going on? Uh, it, you know, it's, it's going on again. It's another Monday, and here we are in Hello World on Learn TV, and we've got an awesome show set up for today. I'm so excited. How was your weekend? Good, good. Uh, busy weekend. It's getting warmer here in Toronto. Uh, we're Trying to do the math in my head, 45 degrees Fahrenheit, so we're outside in shorts already as Canadians. How about you? How was your weekend? You know, I was actually stuck inside all day. Uh, we here in the Denver area of Colorado in the U.S. Uh, got an unprecedented snowstorm that came through, a blizzard, as they say. And I've got almost two feet of snow in my backyard. It snapped off limbs in my trees, and uh, yeah, it was uh, quite the storm. So I, I uh, didn't get a lot done because I was stuck not at home, but... Um, but it was, it was still nice to just uh, kind of lay low and not do too much. Now, just prior to the end of last week, did you catch that cool announcement uh, from Mark Rosinovich, CTO of Azure, uh, in regards to the deep, uh, deep think tank project that they're working on? Jason, when you have a failure in terms of your implementation of a virtual machine or possibly storage or what have you, what's your first course of action? You know, I, you you know this, but not everyone does. I come from a background of instant response when it comes to software. I've always been more of the ops team. So when something goes wrong, I'm the person who typically was to get paged, respond, acknowledge the situation, assess what's going on, uh, and then take action, right? And, and so this idea of preventing problems has been something that I've always thought is just really not possible. But the more I've learned and read up on this, uh, this, this project, uh, it sounds pretty promising. Uh, I understand you, you know, you've spent a little bit of time researching more than I have. What are your thoughts on it? So this project that was announced is called Project Naria. And what's really cool about it is the whole aspect of understanding where the failure is going to occur or predict when the failure is going to occur. And not only the prediction piece, it's also the aspect of what are the course of actions that can be automated to address that failure uh, prior to it happening to ensure that there's minimal downtime uh, for that application that it supports or whatever services it supports. So the example that's actually shown is the uh, corruption of a uh, file drive. And what are the course of actions that the uh, Project Naria would take into place utilizing artificial intelligence to not only correct the situation, but to do so that would um, have minimal impact based on the application of the services it's running. I think that's pretty cool because it's not just a, you know, set the triggers and if it detects this, do that. It provides some autonomy to artificial intelligence to say, hey, we need to restrict or we need to make these changes in this sort of way so that it doesn't take everybody down. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds really cool. And I think just, uh, you know, just the name itself is really, is really fun. The fans of uh, Lord of the Rings will recognize it is named after the ring of fire. So uh, yeah, I think just, it's a really, really interesting, you know, with the whole AI and everything uh, that's always changing how we approach problem solving. And the fact that we're now looking at uh, what can we do to uh, be adaptive and predictive around failure and mitigation around failure. That's something that as the world becomes more, um, you know, connected and, and we rely more on these services and, and all these types of things, there's going to be failure. We just know. I mean, here on this show, we, we're, we, we always deal with something and you got to be able to respond. But if you can look for cues and you can look for patterns and, and help uh, discover what may happen and actually take some course of action to maybe pre prevent that or at least minimize the impact, I think that's a really smart approach for those who are, are starting to rely on a lot of services for you know, not just fun things, social media, but there's a lot of things out there that people really rely on. So yeah, it should be interesting. Let's, let's, before we run out of time though, let's start talking about what we got going on here today. So uh, 
up first, we're going to be talking to our friends over at uh, at Microsoft Teams. They're going to help us understand what do we do when we're trying to get started creating a new team. What el- what else are we going to be chatting about today? So we have Asim who will be joining us as well, uh, talking about green hackathons, which is really exciting. Uh, looking yeah. forward to that. Yeah. And then uh, Michael's back with us and he's got a guest today. He's got a friend of uh, uh, the show, Rodrigo, and they're going to be talking about some really cool stuff around threat modeling. I'm, I'm super excited to hear about. And I saw Diego prepping his guitar for this episode's uh, Diego's Wall. So I'm very intrigued to see that one as go as well. Yeah, Diego's always fun to have and always full of surprises. So I don't know if there's going to be an instrument involved. I think that's going to be really fun, really exciting. So, okay, well, let's go ahead and get started. And uh, maybe we bring in our friends from uh, Microsoft Teams and and, uh, say hello to Kayla and Ning. Hello. How are you two doing? Hey, Jason. Hi, (laughs) thanks for being back here with us again. Happy Monday to you. Happy Monday. Um, so I'm in the process of, you know, talking about with some of the others, uh, other projects that I'm working on in the process of setting up my own team within Microsoft Teams. And I'm wondering if uh, you have any suggestions on you know, what the first steps of that might be. Yeah. So to create a team, there's a couple of options for this. You can create a team from scratch or you can use a template. If you create a team from scratch, you'll create the standard team with the default setup. So that means you'll have a tab for the general channel, files, and a wiki page. And then you can add the additional channels and tabs to suit the needs of your team. But now there's also template team sites. So the templates already have some additional channels and tabs built in. For example, if you choose to use the template for, let's say, managing an event, you'll get channels automatically created for budget, logistics, marketing, and a variety of other things. Um, And those channels also come populated with a couple of tabs as well. Excellent. And so... In terms of, uh, I'm kind of managing our slides here. I've moved on to our event stuff here. Is this is this something that uh, really anybody can use in, in, in terms of setting up these events? It is. So whatever the need is with your templates, you'll get a variety of channels and tabs. And it can be confusing sometimes the difference between channels and tabs. So if you go to the next slide, I'll actually explain it. Um, So channels are dedicated sections within a team to keep conversations organized, Um, a place where everyone on the team has access to files and tools, like a segmented space in teams where the team can work and get things done. And then tabs are a component of the channels where you can add apps, files, and other cool stuff to be easily accessed in that channel. For example, in the managing event template, there were tabs for tasks to do. Um, OneNote was another tab. And within any team site, you have a variety of options to choose from, from anything from YouTube to Power BI. You can bring that all into the channels in your team site. Excellent. Okay. And let's take a look at the the next slide here. We're talking a little bit more about, uh, it looks like creating your channels. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk about that. So you can see here that we've got two types of channels. There's a standard channel and private channel. And standard channels are channels that everybody on the team has access to. Everyone has access to chat, to reply to each other, to share and access the files. And since everybody has access, it's a good idea to use standard channels for communications that everyone on the team should be able to participate in. Um, So for example, you'll see on this team that 
we've got standard channels, including um, if you go to the next slide, we've got general, career, development, monthly reports, out of office, and water cooler. So all of these channels have content that applies to everyone on the team. So it makes sense that the channels are set up so that everybody can have access. Um, but let's say that you have a group of people in your team that want a more focused space to collaborate and they don't want to have to create a whole separate team for it. Or maybe you've got a subset of people in your team that just want a more restricted area so that they can discuss some more sensitive information. Mm -hmm. So in that case, what you're going to want to do is set up a private channel like the one that you see here for budgeting. And so private channels are only accessible to the people on the team who have been added to the channel. Um, they're the only people who are going to see it under the channel list. And you're going to notice that it's going to have that lock icon next to the name of the channel. And in a private channel, you can ensure that all of the conversations and files shared there are only accessible to the members of that private channel. And in fact, the files that are shared there are actually on a separate SharePoint site from the rest of the team site. Oh, so okay. yeah, yeah. So with these two types of channels in mind, um, you can tailor your workspace to perfectly fit how your team likes to work. And if you want to learn more about setting up your own team and channels, you can go to aka.ms/overview of teams and channels. Excellent. And, I, and I'll tell you what, we all of the links that we're going to be sharing throughout the show, we'll have in our show notes. So uh, you can just visit aka.ms slash hello world. And we'll make sure that we get not only the link that they just mentioned, but all the others uh, for today, too. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for, again for joining us today. And I feel like I learned something incredibly useful about Teams every single Monday. So we look forward to chatting with you again next week. And now let's take it over to Awesome. And he's going to be chatting with us about some really fun uh, things around a hackathon for Microsoft Green. So one of the things that a lot of people always ask is, hey, I'm getting into the job market in terms of engineering. I want to upskill. How do I do it quickly? And I've always advised, you know, go and talk to a nonprofit because they can only use they can always use the engineering support. And it's a great way to scale up and, you know, have impact around the world. What are, you know, I say a lot of the developers are asking this question. What are the, the what are the things that they can do right now to help non nonprofits? That's a really good question, and I'm really excited to say that there is a hackathon happening in, well, it's based out of Western Europe, called Hack the Climate. There it is, hacktheclimate.devpost.com. And what I love about this hackathon is that all of the challenges are being set by nonprofits, um, which is really exciting because it means that the work that you're going to do, as you say, like, you know, you're, you're going to see an immediate, real, tangible impact for the work that you're doing. And, and I think the hackathon starting on, on the 22nd of March is going to last for, for four days or something like that. You can head to that website right there and register your interest. Um, uh, we've got some amazing judges. I will just mention the judges really quickly. So the judges are uh, Baroness Bryony Worthington, who's a member of the House of Lords, member of the government in the UK. Uh, Jamie Alexander, who's director of Drawdown Labs. Hampus Jacobson, who's a VC uh, climate venture capitalist and Sanjay Potter, who is actually the managing director and global lead of technology sustainability innovation uh, at Accenture. Um, so it's got a great lineup of judges also. Um, I was somewhat involved in judge selection. Um, but that's not the, the best part about this, this, this hackathon is, is the uh, other nonprofits. Um, one of them I'm, I think is, is, is really good. It's called Map Biomass. Um, and what they do is, is, is amazing, actually. They, uh, they, they work out of Brazil, 
And what they've done is they've they collect like all the deforestation alerts was happening in the Amazon. So anytime anybody reports, you know, oh something down my street, it looks like someone's illegally logging or something like that, it calls it goes into big database, tends to get ignored. And what they've done is they've grabbed that database, they've used a lot of data science, they they've kind of got all the information you need together to submit a report to the government for them to actually do something about it. Um, but still, only kind of over the 150,000, only 1,000 is even being addressed by the government. And over that, a very tiny amount is actually getting uh, uh, dealt with. So what they're looking for help in the hackathon is, is, is taking their massive data set of, of potentially illegal deforestation activities and helping people, uh, helping to essentially get action on that. So that, that just puts chills down my spine, kind of helping, helping things at that level. Um, so they, they need help on that. Um, there's another challenge being set by uh, uh, buy food with plastic, which is such a wonderful idea. It's essentially um, in certain parts of the world, you can basically go and they've set up, you can take kind of plastic bottles or any kind of plastic you found lying around, you take it and they, they give you food. Um, and it's just a great way of kind of helping the planet, but also helping people at the same time. Um, it's a wonderful charity, wonderful nonprofit. Um, but that that whole it's all manual. It's what everything is 100% manual in this in this nonprofit. So what they're looking for is help is look, we need help to kind of automate a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, once they can automate it, then they can do kind of a lot more good. Um, I think there's another nonprofit I really like called What Time. Um, they are they're a nonprofit, and what they do is they. I think I mentioned last week that that uh, electricity. We spoke about electricity, how electricity was dirty. These are the people that tell you how dirty your electricity is. Um, they're a nonprofit, uh, so they do it well. The, the service costs money, but they're a nonprofit. They're, they're not there to make money, and uh, they're looking for help with um, with a lot of hydro uh, hydro plants, like because if you can somehow predict when rain's going to fall and when perhaps these hydro dams are just going to overflow a little bit with water or or perhaps they're going to be a little bit low then they, then you can predict some interesting things with with regarding kind of electricity and how dirty your your electricity is and that's kind of what time so that's that's the that's another non-profit but again if you just go to hack the climate I don't know, Anthony, I find it so inspiring to go through looking at looking at those NGOs and just imagining how I could how I could really help them with, with my efforts. So yeah, I just recommend going there. So to register, you're going to hacktheclimate.devpost.com. I think it's really cool. It's the whole aspect of sharing brain trust uh, with NGOs and nonprofits to really excel everybody moving forward, the whole world, right? Next up, we're going to hand it off to Michael Crump, who has a guest who will be talking about threat modeling and to discuss learning <laughs> models to help us get up to speed. Thank you so very much there, Anthony. Today, I am super pleased uh, to have on with me Rodrigo Santos, who is going to tell us a little bit about threat modeling. So I'll just keep it super short. What is threat modeling and why should I even care? Thank you for having me on the show, Michael. So threat modeling is a framework that teams can use to help find potential issues with whatever it is that they're building. And it also helps them find ways to either eliminate or reduce those issues. And you know, in the past couple of weeks, months, years, we've either seen, heard, or unfortunately been affected by a breach where we gave or trusted a company with our information and they didn't take as much care as they should have. And when you start understanding more about how the attack took place, 
the attack vectors used by the attackers could have been easily identified and prevented with threat modeling. Uh, so that sounds uh, very scary. <laughs> yeah. uh, can, you can, can you tell us uh, a little bit more about uh, the learning paths and the modules you've created? Yeah, so once I realized that a lot of the teams that I work with, uh, they didn't really share that fundamental knowledge of threat modeling. I contacted a couple of people from all over the company to come up with a series of modules that A, explained what threat modeling was in detail, and B, went through the four different phases of threat modeling to help everyone understand how to find these issues in the first place and how to apply the proper security controls to mitigate those issues. Okay, so I'm hearing there's four uh, different types or phases there. Can you tell us a little bit more about each phase? Absolutely. So the first phase is the design phase. Pretty straightforward is coming up with a list of everything that you're going to be using for the service, you know, whatever it is you're building. So it includes things like um, databases or Azure resources, APIs, third-party calls, making sure that you know exactly the types of risk that you are automatically assuming or including with the design. The second step is the break phase. So once you kind of have an understanding of how things are gonna communicate with each other, you're gonna break that down or attempt to at least. Steal the information, try to make sure that component A is not talking to B um, and coming up with a list of all the things that it could go wrong. And then C is the fixed phase. So after you identified everything that's wrong, you're going to be identifying the different types of security controls that you can use to make sure that that doesn't happen. And then once you're almost ready to deploy, there is the verify phase. And that's where you're going to be uh, coming up with, not coming up with, but making sure that you haven't introduced any new risks since your last design because of you know, some minor changes that you could do. Um, and also making sure that security controls that you've set out to implement have been properly implemented. Uh, excellent. Well, so I don't know if you know, Rodrigo, but uh, I put a couple of tweets out on social media, a few LinkedIn posts, kind of hinting that we would give everyone a little bit of a sneak peek of some new work that the two of us have been involved in. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, I am very excited about that. And thank you for the tweets. Uh, so, you know, the first learning path was all about setting the groundwork letting you know exactly what threat modeling was all about, you know, how to do it. The second learning path takes what you've learned and puts it into action. And we're gonna be using a fictitious company called Woodgrove Bank that has some very real world scenarios. First, we're gonna help them threat model their infrastructure, make sure that their internal network is safe, access controls, and a bunch of other security categories that I can't wait to share with you. Uh, the second one is a cloud application that they want to, you know, they want to develop and release it to the public, and we'll help them threat model that too. And the last one is they would like to include an application to be used in a secured environment of theirs, which we, you know, is commonly known as a privileged access workstation, and we're going to help them threat model that too. Uh, excellent. So, where can folks go to learn more about this? aka.ms forward slash learn TM. And pretty soon we're going to be releasing the second one. Uh, not yet ready to the public, but it'll be quite similar to that. Uh, well, so thank you so very much, Rodrigo, for uh, spending some time with us here. I'm excited to check out 
the rest of this uh, lore material and even uh, kind of uh, jumping in there to see some of the new uh, stuff that you just mentioned. So aka.ms, learn TM. And from there, I think I'm going to hand it back on over to my friend, Jason. Jason, you're up. Thank you, Michael. And thank you, Rodrigo, for, for joining us today. That was uh, very interesting and very helpful, necessary information to be sharing. And again, yeah, go check out aka.ms slash learn TM to learn more about that. And yeah, it wouldn't be a Monday with uh, without our, our, fan, our friend, our pal, Diego. So let's bring in Diego here. <laughs> Hi, Diego. Good morning. Hello, Jason. And hello, world. This is Diego broadcasting live from Seattle, Washington, in the United States, the Microsoft headquarters. I am here in my office, and I had a, quite a journey at Microsoft, two decades, working on many teams in engineering and human resources and developer relations. And I've been putting this world together full of ideas and anecdotes and scientific discoveries and poetry. I use it to share, to, to to nurture my own sense of wonder, but also to share it with you, Jason, and with you, audience. Awesome, Diego. Uh, last week when we were talking in preparation for this, we were talking about you. your job in life is so many different things, but one of them is putting smiles on faces. <laughs> uh, and I can just tell at heart you're an artist. You're, not, you're always reaching for some kind of instrument. You've got all these different things. And I know today's, today's bit of wisdom that we're gonna be working uh, with or talking about is in fact about some, some ideas around how you perceive the world. So why don't you tell yes. us more about that? Ah, yes, that's a great segue to this post that I wanted to share today. It's actually a cartoon, like a, a joke. I couldn't find the author to give proper credit, but here's the cartoon. And if you can see, it's a rhino, great animal, the rhino in Africa here. And he's, he's a painter, he's painting things. And he's painting beautiful views right here. But you can see the joke that all his views have a big horn in the middle, you know? And that is because the rhino, that's his view. He viewed the world and there's a big horn in his nose, you know? So that is the joke. But this actual cartoon actually captures like a very deep essence of our life, which is we don't have horns, we have noses, but we're pretty much walking rhinos with, with horns. And what I mean by that is that we all have different hardware right like um for example dogs can see less colors than you jason mm -hmm. uh, but birds can see more colors than you so dogs and birds see the world different than you can you imagine looking at the sky and instead of seeing blue you see like a hundred shades of blue the world is is really like different for everybody and and the quote that i like is you cannot understand the view without understanding the point of view. Like you can really understand the, the view the rhino painted without understanding that the rhino has a, a horn that is blocking his view. We all have these situations. Like I am colorblind. So for me, like green, brown, red, pretty much the same color. So I don't see the same world as you, but tall people see the world different than shorter people. We all have different backgrounds and upbringing. So where, where I grew up, if you're walking at night on the street and you see someone coming in, that's like stranger danger. Like I better cross the street because this could be bad. But other people grew up in places where if you are walking at night on the street and you see someone in, oh, great, let's, let's chat. It might be my neighbor, you know? So we bring those upbringings, those backgrounds, those points of view to work. 
Jason, can I tell you how this relates to Microsoft? And Please do, the, yes. The way it relates is that when you look at a product like, let's say, Microsoft Teams, it's a great product right now helping the world. I'm not exaggerating. Like my prediction is there are probably more than 100 different teams at Microsoft making that product. Like the tech stack of a complicated product like that is very deep. And there's from identity, from security, from the interface, everything. And, and those different teams may have slightly different points of view. They have different incentives, different objectives. So to make something like Microsoft Teams work, we really need to understand each other's point of view, you know, and, yeah. and that's, that's complicated. That's complicated. We, we got to be able to, to look at the views of everybody, the point of views, and come up with that shared understanding of reality. There are very few things that are absolute truths in the world. Scientific discoveries, all of scientific methods, those are truths. Everything else is all relative. Yeah. Am I making any sense so far? Yeah, no, and, that, and those are great points. And I think, you know, everybody's got their own perspective. Everyone has the, the world as they see it. Uh, and I think it's important to to acknowledge that and recognize that, but also to your point, you know, tall people see the world differently, colorblind people see the world differently. It's important for us to somehow change our perspective yes. and mix it up and try to see the world through their lens and 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 understand more about what it's like for others, you know, who aren't us. And that helps us uh, really fill in the blanks and create a more high fidelity version of what the world really is. And that that's really what empathy is, right? Is you, you just yes. kind of put yourself into other people's positions and say, I recognize what it's like for me, but that's just for me. And I think that really helps us, you know, understand people a little bit better, understand situations, understand life a little bit better. Jason, I have some good news. There's Not late on me. There's a tool to be really good at this. It's not used very often, but I think it's available to all of us. It's it looks like this. It's 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 an ear. We all have at least one, maybe two of them in the human body. This is actually, I like to say, the most attractive organ in the human body. That's a joke that I make, but it's actually true because nothing feels better that feeling heard, that feeling understood by someone else. So all we have to do is ask questions. Like, Jason, where did you grow up? How do you see the world? Like, what are your fears, your aspirations? What are your incentives? What are you trying to do? Where do you come from? And then shut up and listen and listen and listen and listen. And that can help us develop that empathy that for another person to understand their story. What is their point of view? And then I'll tell you, if you have the same history of someone, you're probably going to see the world the same way. So, but we didn't. So we have to try to, like, Look from their point of view, uh, just like the rhino in the picture. And, and then shared understanding happens and the world gets better. And we can ship products like Microsoft Teams that can have a big impact. So that's all for me. I'll see you on Friday. All right. Thank you, Diego. We'll see you next time. Anthony, we are already towards the end of our time here. And uh, I don't know. I thought today was a really great show. How did you think? You know what I loved about this show is it was so in sync, right? You have the whole aspect of, of perception and uh, having different views and tying that into a hackathon that has the ability to, you know, change the world based on different ideas and different perceptions. And then tie that to communication with teams and setting up of your own team and your own channel to communicate for that hackathon. And then using those ideas to have an understanding of threats that may occur and the, the information made available in there. It, yeah. it, the show tied in so well together. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, let's bring in everybody. We're going to do it one by, one by one here. Let's bring in our friends from Microsoft Teams. Uh, Kayla and Ning, thank you so much for joining us today uh, and sharing with us all these nice tips and tricks for getting started on creating a new team. Uh, is there any, any final words for the, for the audience? 
No, I think you've covered it. Just make sure to, you know, check the links that we've posted for you guys. I think there are a lot of great resources for you. Um, and as always, uh, keep working in Microsoft Teams. It's a great place to be. It's the future of our digital workplace. Yes. Well, thank you for being here and for all the information that you share. Uh, who else do we have? Let's. Uh, awesome still around? No. Let's let's move on and bring uh, Michael and Rodrigo. Hey there. Thanks again. Yeah, I believe one thing is obviously uh, check out the uh, call to action there, uh, aka .ms learn tm. Um, and uh, do you have anything else to add in there, Rodrigo? Just that threat modeling is one of those things that you know if if paid attention correctly earlier in the design phase before you create the next coolest app or the next coolest service, you can save yourself so much headache because it's such an easy way to find issues before it becomes a problem and comes haunting you in the future. So threat model away. Excellent. Thank, Thank you. you. And let's bring Diego in one more time to say goodbye. Hi, Diego. <laughs> Thank you for uh, you know spending time with us, letting us hear you and uh, and uh, be heard at the same time. And uh, for uh, for you know those who are going to be hanging out, we've got another great uh, episode of Career Switcher Stories coming up on Learn TV. So don't don't leave, hang out for that. And otherwise, thank you so much for tuning in today. This has been another great episode of Hello World, and we will be back again tomorrow. Uh, and um, enjoy the rest of your day. So thank you so much for being here. We'll see you later.